Welcome to the Wannabe Theologian Podcast. I am your host, Paul Hess. The Wannabe Theologian Podcast is dedicated to equipping the saints in the knowledge of God by providing biblical, confessionally-based discussion of the doctrine of God and the Trinity. God is God, and we are not. We are creatures. Everything we find in the world is creaturely. Yes, there is great variety in the creaturely realm, but everything is creaturely. You are a creature. Your car is a creature. The electronic device you're using to listen to this podcast is a creature. Anything you encounter in this world is creaturely. God, on the other hand, is not creaturely. In today's episode, we're going to cover some important foundational material in discussing a Christian doctrine of God. Before we do this, though, I want to briefly introduce myself. I am a seminary student at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and am involved as a deacon and teacher at my local Baptist church. I am a Reformed Baptist and I subscribe to the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. This Confession of Faith espouses what is commonly called classical theism, which is another term for the Christian doctrine of God throughout history. We see classical theism espoused by theologians like Augustine, Anselm, Aquinas, and Turretin, and modern theologians like Matthew Barrett and James Dolezal. While this podcast is dedicated to rigorous theology, we will aim to discuss it in an, in an accessible fashion. This podcast is for seminary student and layperson alike, and it is meant to equip you in your walk with Christ and grow you in your knowledge of our holy God. If the concepts that we discuss in this podcast are new to you, that's wonderful, and welcome to the podcast. This podcast is meant for you. We'll keep this podcast to bite-sized chunks, about 15 to 30 minutes long. Before we proceed, I must note that this podcast is my own personal project and represents my own personal views. This podcast is not endorsed or supervised by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary or by my local church. As we begin to dive into a Christian doctrine of God, we must first deal with some foundational material. We cannot simply jump into talking about God without taking great care in our God talk. We cannot approach God casually and speak of him flippantly or carelessly. We must strive to speak of God carefully, truthfully, precisely, and with a heart of worship. There are many errors the Christian can encounter in the doctrine of God, and plenty of heresies can crop up, so we must make sure that our language about God is suitable to the subject. This is not, not, this is not merely a matter of not speaking crassly, but also of speaking precisely. The first foundational topic is quite simple. Why study the doctrine of God at all? After all, isn't God just who he is and we need to focus on matters like faith, loving our neighbor, and biblical marriage? All this doctrine of God, what we call theology proper, seems rather esoteric and academic. Why bother? Well, arguably the central feature of the Christian life is the love and worship of God. As the Apostle Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We live to the glory of God, that is, the Christian life. But how are we to know how to live to the glory of God if we don't know who God is? Is God merely a word, or is God a personal being? How are we to praise God if we don't know who He is? No, we don't worship a nameless, faceless, blank canvas. We worship the God who reveals Himself in the Scriptures, in redemptive history, in the person of Jesus, in the songs and prayers of the Psalms. The angels around the throne of God praise God for his holiness and power. The saints in Revelation praise God for his love and salvation. 
in each case, it matters that we know who God is. In fact, Jesus says in John 17 verse 3 that to have eternal life is to know God. So while studying the doctrine of God may seem esoteric and academic, in fact, knowing God, learning who He is, is absolutely vital to us as Christians. If a husband said he loved his wife but made no effort to get to know her, his lack of effort would put the lie to his love. Further, his relationship with her would not be one of reality but only of form. If we want to be in relationship with someone, we must seek to know them. As this is true of human relationships, it is, it is also true of God. If we want to know God, we must seek to truly know Him and learn all we can about Him, for it is the most practical thing for us to do. The second foundational topic we must cover is to remember the simple maxim, God is God and we are not. We are creatures. Everything we find in the world is creaturely. Yes, there is great variety in the creaturely realm, but everything is creaturely. You are a creature. Your car is a creature. The electronic device you're using to listen to this podcast is a creature. Anything you encounter in this world is creaturely. God, on the other hand, is not creaturely. The prophet Isaiah declares in Isaiah verses, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 18 through 19, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol... A craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. The idol that Isaiah speaks of is creaturely. It's made by a craftsman. It is made of gold or silver. It rests on a stand, and so on. Everything about the idol is creaturely. God declares through the prophet that he is not like the idol. God asks, to what likeness will we compare him? This is a rhetorical question, a question with only one answer. There is no likeness to which we can compare God. God is not like us, and we must not make God creaturely. This includes how we speak of God. Our God talk must not make God creaturely. Just as we cannot turn God into an idol by making him to be a statue of silver or gold, we cannot make him an idol by constructing a false view of God in the way we speak of him. We cannot make God in the image of anything. We cannot make God in our own image. God is God, and we are not. This brings us to our third foundational topic, which is the type of language we must employ in our God talk. There are three types of language, univocal, equivocal, and analogical. Now, what are these words? Let's, give a, let's get a rough definition, but we'll give some examples to hopefully clarify what we mean. Univocal language refers to those cases where we use the same words or phrases to apply to different things, but where we mean essentially the same thing in each case. Univocal language is the use of the same word in essentially the same sense. If we think about the idea of love, an example of univocal language would be, I love cookies and I love brownies. In each case, love refers to our liking for a particular baked dessert. Equivocal language refers to those cases where we use the same words or phrases to apply to different things, and we mean entirely different things in each case. Equivocal language is the use of the same word in entirely different senses. Again, if we use the example of the idea of love, an example of equivocal language would be, I love cookies and I love my wife. We use the word love in both cases, but the affection I might have for cookies in no way parallels my affection for my wife. It's the same word, but entirely different senses. The final category is analogical language. This refers to when we use the same words or phrases to apply to different things, 
but where the words have similar meanings, but nonetheless the meanings are distinct. Analogical language is the use of the same word in similar but distinct senses. If we use uh, love again as, as an example, we, we, might, we might have, um, I love my dog and my dog loves me. That's an example of analogical language. In each case, we have affection between me and my dog. But I'm a human and my dog is a dog. And so there, while there might be some similarities between the affection one shows the other, there is still a fundamental distinction. This is not univocal language because the way my dog loves me is definitely distinct from the way I love my dog. But it's not equivocal language either because there are some parallels and similarities between the two, even if they are distinct. Now, which type or types of language should we use in our God talk? I hope you can already guess which type we must use. When we speak of God, we must use analogical language. Remember our creator-creature distinction? This means we cannot use univocal language about God. If we did, this would be describing God in a creaturely fashion. We would be making God like a creature. For example, when we speak of the love of God, we cannot say that the way that God loves someone means essentially the same thing as when we love that same person. Our love of someone else is a creaturely love. And so for us to speak of God's love in a univocal way makes God's love creaturely. We don't love people in the same sense that God loves them. However, we cannot use equivocal language either. If the way God loves someone has no parallel with the way I love someone, then we lose any ability to speak of God's love at all. Yet the Bible clearly speaks of God's love, among many other things. The Bible regularly employs various language to reveal God to us and clearly expects us to understand that this language speaks truly of God. Therefore, we cannot use equivocal language about God, just as we cannot use univocal language. This leaves us with analogical language, and this is historically what the church has used in their God talk. Think about it. The prophet Isaiah asked, to what shall you compare God, but then proceeded to tell us about God. This simultaneously rules out both univocal and equivocal language and points us in the direction of analogical language. This means that if we think of God's love, for example, we can say that the way God loves someone is similar to how we might love someone, but it is nonetheless distinct. There are parallels, which is what allows us to speak truthfully of God's love, but there are also distinctions that remind us of the creator-creature distinction. We come next to our fourth foundational topic. In our study of the doctrine of God, one of the key topics we'll discuss are the attributes of God. When we speak of God's love, God's power, God's wrath, and so on, we are speaking of the attributes of God. However, before we discuss these attributes in future episodes, I want us to define what we mean by attribute, and more importantly, what we mean by divine attribute. The Reformed theologian Joel Beeky defines attributes as, and I quote, qualities or characteristics that are closely and permanently associated with someone and that can be used to identify them, unquote. This is the definition of attributes in general, and so when we speak of divine attributes, we are speaking of what we ascribe to God. Divine attributes are who and what God is as he reveals himself for our understanding. It is important for us to remember that these are revealed truths. If we depart from God's revelation, whatever attributes we assign to God will make a God in our own image. The fifth and final foundational topic we must cover are the two categories of the attributes of God. The attributes of God cannot all be characterized in the same way. 
After all, we might recognize that God is love and that we as humans are capable of love, but while God knows all things, our knowledge is limited. God's unlimited knowledge has no parallel in our creaturely experience, but God's love does have a parallel. Further, we remember that men and women, as humans, were made in the image of God, as we're told in Genesis 1 verse 27. Therefore, we will find certain attributes of God in mankind, but in a limited or finite manner. Now, theologians throughout the past 2,000 years have wrestled with how to categorize these two categories of attributes. Some have categorized them as positive and negative attributes, moral and non-moral attributes, attributes of eminence and attributes of negation, and a litany of other categorizations. Reformed theologians have typically, though not uniformly, approached the attributes of God by categorizing them as communicable and incommunicable attributes, and this is the categorization we'll use in this podcast. We'll first look at the latter, God's incommunicable attributes. These attributes are those for which no analogy exists in human beings. Such attributes include God's eternity, omnipotence, and God's knowledge of all things, that is, God's omniscience. These are God's incommunicable attributes. Communicable attributes, on the other hand, are those that God is able to share in a limited or finite way with people created and recreated in his image. Examples of such attributes include love, wisdom, and wrath. Now, we must remember our analogical language. The way we have these attributes and the degree to which we have these attributes is not the same as it is in God. God has these attributes perfectly, unchangeably, and infinitely. We, on the other hand, have these attributes imperfectly, they are subject to change, and they are certainly not infinite. To whatever extent we see these attributes in human beings, we fall infinitely short of God. George Swinnick said, and I quote, Even in these properties wherein man resembles his maker, he is exceedingly unlike him and falls infinitely short of him. With that, we conclude our first episode, dealing with some key foundational matters when it comes to a Christian doctrine of God. While this episode may have felt rather technical, it is necessary as a foundation for the rest of our episodes. If you have found this podcast helpful, like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast streaming service. You can find the Wannabe Theologian podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Stay tuned for the latest episode releases and share with your friends so they too can be equipped in their knowledge of our holy and majestic God. Thank you for listening. Intro music is Be Thou My Vision, courtesy of Dan Brown Jr., courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. And closing music is also Be Thou My Vision, courtesy of A-List Music, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated.